Hi, my name is Evan Davido, and I will be having a conversation with Dylan Caput for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. It's Sunday, June 18th, 2017, and this is being recorded at Dylan's home on Rogers Avenue in Flatbush. Um, all right, so do you want to get started maybe just by telling me about your earliest memory? Of life? My earliest memory of life? Yeah, earliest one you got. Okay. Um, <laughs> so my parents used to live on 95th and like Amsterdam maybe, Columbus, and we had a really nice apartment and I broke something in the bathroom and I didn't want my parents to know but it was made of glass. So I like went into the bathroom my bare feet to clean it up because I didn't want them to know and I stepped on the glass. And uh, the only thing I really remember is like being in a lot of pain because the glass went through my foot. <laughs> but I like vividly remember like tiptoeing around the glass in the bathroom and then like stepping on it anyway. <laughs> Do you remember what it was that you broke? Nope, but probably something important. <laughs> Do you remember like how your parents responded or did they come in? They were just really worried that I, because I hurt myself, I don't think they cared that I had broken something. I think they were just like, why did you go in the bathroom when you broke something? And I was like, well, because I didn't want you to know, so I cleaned it up. And But clearly I did not clean it up successfully because I then slept on it. Do you have siblings or did you have siblings in the house at the time? Um, I have siblings now at the time of that memory I was the only child in the house but I have siblings now I have two younger brothers one is 20 and one will be 17 in two weeks do you remember what year it was or how old you were when you broke I was two so probably early 96 okay so you were in New York at the time were you born in New York did you grow up in New York I was born in New York at Columbia Medical Center where my mom was a doctor, but I left New York at about two and a half and moved to Maryland where I spent the next 16 years. And then moved back to New York? And then I moved back to New York for college and now I refuse to leave. Where Where did you go to college in New York? <laughs> um, I went to Barnard College at Columbia University in Morningside Heights. And what drew you to Barnard? Um, what drew me to Barnard? Well, so my mom went to Barnard actually, and my dad went to Columbia, so there was a little bit of like a funnel from them that I was going to go there. There was like an idea planted in my head, but I didn't want to grow up to be anything like my mom at the time, so I was like, absolutely not. Um, but then I actually came and visited and did some research on the school, and when I came and visited, it was like one of those beautiful spring days where like everybody was on the lawn that doesn't exist anymore, and Maggie, who also doesn't exist anymore, was blooming, and so I was like, this is amazing, this is beautiful, um, and then I sat in on a psych class that I really liked, and I learned about their education program, and I'd always wanted to be a teacher, so then I was like, okay, well as much as I don't want to go here because my mom went here, like, this school actually has everything I'm looking for, so maybe I should just do it anyway. Why didn't you want to be anything like your mom? <laughs> because no kid wants to be like their parents. I feel like every kid's worst nightmare is, like, to grow up to be anything like either of their parents. Do you still feel that way? Um, no. At this point, I'm, like, my mom's a total wonderful, like, badass. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word, but I just did. 
Um, she is like she's the medical director of an outpatient program um, at Washington Hospital Center working in psychiatry and is brilliant and is like starting like a trans health center um, and getting recertified in a million things so at this point I'm like wow if I could be as brilliant and wonderful as she is like that'd be awesome um, so I definitely don't feel that way anymore but I did at the time <laughs> Do you remember what year it was that you went to go visit Barnard? Okay, it was spring of junior year, so 2011. And had you been going back and forth to New York and Maryland before growing up, or mostly staying in Maryland? Um, actually, I did go back and forth a lot because I had a lot of, I, have, I still do, but I had more family here. Um, my grandma lived on 85th in Central Park West, so we would go every Thanksgiving and every Christmas and stay in her apartment. Um, she died in June of 2011, so then we didn't come stay with her, obviously, but that was right before I moved here, so, um, but I grew up coming to New York a lot. I have a lot of family here. My parents have friends here, um, that we stayed with. I have family in Scarsdale, um, so we were actually here a lot, so I spent a bunch of time in New York growing up. Did you like going to New York growing up? I did like going to New York growing up, but... There were there's a lot more to do here than there is in suburban Maryland, which was always really cool for me. Um, and I really like Broadway shows, and obviously that's here. Um, so I spent a good amount of time in New York before moving here, which was part of why I wanted to move here. I loved it. What Broadway shows do you like to see in New York? All of them. Um, I really, every single one. I've seen Wicked many times. I love Rent. Um, I've seen... Kiki Boots, Avenue Q, Darren Hansen, I saw Spring Awakening, um, definitely missing some, but Lion King, I've seen Lion King on Broadway, um, I just really enjoy all of them. Would you go with your family, parents, siblings alone? Um, I, before moving to college, I went with my whole family, I went with my mom a couple times to see... Wicked, um, yeah. And what years were you at Barnard? Fall of 2012 to spring of 2016. Cool. What did you study at Barnard? Um, psychology and education. How, how did you like being at Barnard, um, and being at a women's college in particular? Um, I really liked the classes at Barnard. I really liked the programs that I was in. I had some really amazing friends. Um, I had a tough time with the administration in terms of like my gender identity and what I wanted from them. Um, Barnard itself as like a bureaucracy was not easy, but the communities that existed and that I built there were really amazing. Do you want to say more about what you wanted from the administration and their response or how that went? I wanted apparently too much. Um, first it was gender neutral bathrooms. Um, I wanted like places on campus, not just in the dorms, that I like felt safe going to the bathroom in. They didn't want me to have that. Goodness knows why, I don't understand, but whatever. Um, and then junior year, I wanted um, a trans-inclusive admissions policy, which I don't think they didn't want. I just think they weren't sure how to handle. What was the admissions policy at the time you went to Barnard? 
I don't know that there was an exclusive, like, not exclusive. I don't know that there was an explicit admissions policy other than, like, we are a women's college and we want women here. Um, and I wanted, like, a definitive policy that included trans women and people who identified as women but, like, maybe societally weren't seen as women yet. Um, I kind of got what I wanted and kind of didn't get what I wanted in that they now their admissions policy does include trans women but is exclusive of trans masculine individuals who identify as trans masculine pre-applying to Barnard. And so in like making what you wanted from the administration known what did that look like? Petitions? Conversations? All of the above. Um, there were petitions, there were letters written, there were conversations with trustees, with other women's colleges administrations, um, lots of conversations about how other women's colleges were already doing it and we were just late to the game. And who were you doing this with? Actually a lot of the community, the Barnard community, professors, students, it was very, it was very student driven. Mm -hmm. um, and before you mentioned that you loved the different communities that you were part of at Barnard in Columbia, do you want to share a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, so I started Best Buddies at Columbia, which was awesome. It's an organization that is like one-to-one -one friendships with individuals with disabilities. And since I've always wanted to be a special ed teacher, that was pretty awesome. Um, I was part of the Flute Choir, which is a great, was a great community for me also. We, like, just a bunch of people got together and played the flute, which sounds really weird, but was really cool. Um, I did some, like, queer group stuff and then that became really like drama filled and so I stopped um all sex was like probably my saving grace um which I joined spring of my freshman year um all sex is like a peer facilitated sexuality discussion group we talked about like sex sexuality gender race privilege but also like kink and masturbation um I've described it to other people as, like, topics that are usually taboo, but, like, we talked about them. Um, and then I did all sex for two semesters as a participant and then a facilitator for the rest of college and got to be a part of, like, some really amazing conversations about changing culture on campus um, to be more sex positive, body positive, um, identity focused, and less about, like, just... I don't know, people, and more about, like, how we can take our identities and build a better, more inclusive campus. Um, I definitely miss that since graduating, but it was a really cool thing to be a part of. I made a lot of really amazing friends through All Sex, people that I'm still very close with. Um, even though I've graduated, a bunch of people that I've met through All Sex are still there or graduated before me, and we're all still really friendly. And I'm still making friends with, like, people that my friends facilitated. Um, yeah, recently I met somebody that I didn't facilitate, but that my friends facilitated, and now we're really good friends. So all sex is still bringing me closer to other people. Um, I have a couple questions off that. Um, what, why have you always known you wanted to be a special ed teacher? Um, so when I was in kindergarten, I grew up, the county I grew up in in Maryland is like known for its special education program. So people move to the area for 
to send their kids to our programs. Um, and I had a really good friend in kindergarten who had Down syndrome and another really good friend whose twin sister had autism. And I was like a little bit of a weird, different kid. So I spent a lot of time with them because I was pretty socially isolated and just totally fell in love with like working with this population. Didn't understand why the whole planet didn't see them the way that I saw them. Um, and so when I was getting bullied at recess, I'd stay in, in the special ed classroom and just totally loved everything about it. Um, and I, I feel like I'd always known I wanted to be a teacher, but that was when I was like, this is who I want to teach. Um, and so I took every opportunity I could from then on to do that. Um, why do you feel, or why were you isolated as a kid? Or weird? Is weird the word? I think I use weird. Yeah. Um, I definitely have my own, like, learning needs and mental health needs and social quirks that were hard for other people to deal with. Um, so people would pick on me or not want to spend time with me because they thought I was a little off. Um, and so I guess that made me want to spend time with other people who seemed like they were a little off or that people were treating them like they were a little off. Do you want to say anything more about like needs, quirks, or type of bullying? Um, I think a lot of it had to do with, it's funny because I got bullied later for my sexuality and gender identity, but I definitely didn't, hadn't had, like hadn't figured that out yet, so... I don't think that was it. I think, like, I, I didn't have and still don't have a spectrum diagnosis, but I think I needed one. Um, but I was very, like, clearly ADHD and anxious, and so my, like, behaviors that would stem from my anxiety and my hyperactivity and my inattention were hard for other people to deal with. Um, I was, like, just very socially incompetent. I, like, did not know how to maintain a conversation. I did not know how to engage in conversations with people that were based on like both of our likes and not just me um, and I didn't know how to take the perspective of others very well and it's funny because my behaviors as a kid like really parallel the behaviors of the kids I teach now um, but I was I was in a mainstream setting so like people didn't I wasn't in the special ed classroom but academically, I was very on grade level or above grade level, but socially, I just had no clue what I was doing. So I got picked on a lot for, for that because I, I, it was harder because academically, like I entered kindergarten reading chapter books. I could do multiplication by the age of five. Like there was no question of like whether I was cognitively impaired because I was not. Um, but socially, I was very different. What kind of like coping strategies or things that you learn to do? I don't know that I had any before I was in like probably fourth or fifth grade. Um, yeah, I think I was pretty, pretty miserable and didn't know how to tell anybody that I was miserable, but I spent a lot of time alone or like with people I thought were my friends, but that were definitely talking about me behind my back. Um, and you'd said that later you feel like you got bullied for your gender and sexuality, but hadn't maybe figured it out at the time, um, to use your words again, you want to talk a bit about, like, that evolution for you, or? Sure. Um, I think around 
fifth grade. I had always, like, dressed very eccentrically because my parents didn't dress me. Um, so it was kind of, like, whatever I wanted to wear. So I wore a lot of, like, very unattractive flowered leggings and baggy t-shirts. And I didn't care. I thought I looked great. Um, but I guess my friends were, like, really embarrassed. And before I went to middle school, I very clearly remember two of my friends bringing me to one of my friend's houses and, like, telling me, sitting me down and telling me I could not wear that anymore if I wanted to have friends in middle school. Um, so I, like, drastically changed my look and, like, started shopping at the stupid stores that, like, teenage girls shop at. So I, like, went to Hollister and, like, other really high-end stores. I don't think I shopped at Abercrombie and Fitch, but I definitely shopped at Hollister and wore clothes that I hated and, but that, like, would help me fit in. Um, and it, clearly it did not work. Um, I still felt pretty socially isolated. I had friends who I still, like, I thought were my friends and weren't, and people were still picking on me. And then I came out, or was outed, at 12 in 7th grade, and then people actively picked on me for that. Um, gender stuff didn't happen until later, but sexuality bullying happened pretty early. I think, like, from people that I've talked to who are friends of mine, like, 12 is early to be out and to have people picking on you for that. Um, or it was early then. I feel like now people are coming out earlier because it's more represented. But 10 years ago, 12 was early. Were there any other people you knew growing up that were out? Not really until, like, 10th or 11th grade. There were people, once I came out, there were people that, like, started telling me that they were questioning but they were not coming out they were just like I once looked at a girl um, did you were you receptive to people like using you as the person to talk about those things with um I was at the time it's harder for me now to think about it because I've been the spokesperson for so many communities so many times that I'm kind of exhausted but it was cool then to be like, well, actually, I'm not the only one. And even if these people aren't ready to talk about it, like, it, I'm not alone. Um, and it's cool to feel like people trust you and, like, know that they can talk to you about things. Um, so I think then I thought it was pretty cool and I was okay with it. Were you outed to your family, your friends, or...? Um, it kind of happened in stages. It It's funny because I remember the date. It was September 13th, 2000. It was either 2006 or 2007, but it was Rosh Hashanah, so we had the day off from school, and I, like, called somebody who I thought was my friend, and I was like, I think I have a crush on a girl, and she was like, she sent me a video of herself trying to hypnotize me out of it, um, which I guess was a thing she really thought would work, and I was, like, very concerned because I, like, didn't know that this was normal and that, like, people have these thoughts. Um, and she, I told her which girl I liked because it was a good friend of ours that I, like, liked for many years. And she then called the friend, told her that I liked her, and then proceeded to call everybody else that we were friends with and tell them, too. So the next day, like, walking into school, it was, like, one of those movie scenes where you, like, think people are looking at you, but they're not, but, like, they actually were, and they were all, like, whispering to each other, um, and then, I guess, kids told their parents who told my parents, 
um, which sucked because it got to my parents before I wanted to tell them, um, which I guess turned out fine because apparently they'd known for many years anyway. Um, <laughs> so when I finally did tell them, they were like, well, duh. Um, but I wish that it had come from me. Are you still, or did you stay friends at all with those people or was that... Some of them. Um, the girl who outed me, she actually recently, like, we we went to high school together, too, so we, like, were in similar friend groups, so it wasn't really a choice, but we always had a rough time, which makes sense, because that's a really terrible thing to do with somebody, but now, she actually lives in the city now, and she, like, called me a few months ago and was like, I just really want to apologize, because I realized it was a really terrible thing that I did, um, and that it really could have scarred you, um, been really dangerous for you if we had lived in, like, a different place where people might have been less receptive. I don't think people were necessarily receptive, but I guess it could have been worse somewhere else. Um, but it was nice that she, like, recognized after a hundred million years that, like, maybe that was not the best thing for her to do. Um, and where specifically in Maryland were you? Bethesda. Bethesda. Uh, Rockville, Bethesda. Um, which is in the blue county of Maryland. Like, we are the most densely populated area of Maryland and we're the reason Maryland goes blue. But we're... So it's, like, pretty... It's considered pretty liberal, but I don't... I still, like, prefer New York, right? It's, like, queer representation there is not huge, even though it's a pretty liberal place. A lot of people who live there have parents that work in the government. Um... um and so talked a lot about like liking going back to New York because there are a lot of like fun things to do more so than in Bethesda like what specifically did you do when you visited New York like where'd you like to go it was like the park like I like to go to the park I think I like to eat here which a lot of people do um but it was like going to the park or like just seeing things that were different like there was not a lot of difference where I grew up, and I think after I knew that I was different, like, seeing other people who were different was way cool for me. Um, where I grew up was, like, very upper-middle-class, white, Jewish, cis, straight people. Um, so it was, it was interesting to be, like, like, there are not a ton of people of color. If, you know, the people of color that are there are definitely academically tracked, um, majority of people are fairly well off um everybody's jewish do you feel that coming to barnard was like a diverse liberal affirming space in comparison to where i grew up yes mm -hmm. i think there are definitely places that are more diverse but like it was still pretty shocking to me to come to barnard and be like there are people who are not what i grew up with mm -hmm. It was, I mean, it was awesome. Like, I'm not saying it was bad. It was just different. Mm -hmm. Um, and what aspects of your identity would you say, like, are the most important to you? Important to me now or important to me then? Both. Um, I think it's really fluctuated. Um. I think my sexuality and gender identity have always been and will probably always be very important to me as I have grown up and attended Barnard. I think that my 
like, I went through different phases where, like, my race, religion, and class were more relevant. Or not religion, but, like, ethnicity um, were more important. But, like, I don't... They're not things that I think about enough as I should. Um, but, yeah. That doesn't mean they're not relevant. I just think that there are things that are more pressing in how I navigate the world. When, and I guess why, did, like, gender start taking the fore of, like, your identity? At what point did that become? Um, okay, so, sophomore year of high school, I, like, impulsively cut off all my hair. Um, so I went from having, like, hair down to, like, my chest um, to, like, basically a buzz cut, um, and I don't remember why I did it. I think a friend of mine had also talked about doing it, and so we went together, but it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I don't remember it being a conversation. Um, did you do it alone? Like, no, yourself? I, I, no, somebody did it for me, um, which was the first time I'd ever had my hair actually cut by somebody other than my mom, um, and... Do you remember where you went to get it cut? Oh, yeah, I, yes. Um, I don't remember the name of the salon, okay. but I can picture it. <laughs> Do you want to describe it? Uh, it's on, it's, like, on Rockville Pike, um, around Congressional Plaza. It's a tiny little salon. It's next to a Staples, um, which is where I got my school supplies growing <laughs> up. And it's near Bed Bath & Beyond and a PetSmart. Um, but we went and we cut off my hair and like I remember like looking in the mirror and being like oh my goodness like this is how I'm supposed to look um and it was really cool for me to feel like that but then the next day like I went to I went to school I posted I think I posted a picture on Facebook that day and everybody was giving me really positive feedback and I went to school the next day and the girl that I was dating at the time looked at me and was like, if I wanted to date somebody who looked like a boy, I'd date a real boy. Um, like, that really stuck with me. Um, and I think I realized, like, I was trying to keep her, so I started dressing, like, very hyper-femininely because I was like, well, I don't want people to think I'm a boy. Um, so I started wearing, like, very tight jeans and, like, shirts the shirt off my cleavage. Um... I think that was when gender, like, became a thing in my head. Did you, you stayed dating that same person? I did, um, which was a mistake for multiple reasons. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I shouldn't have. You, like, should not keep dating somebody when they say stuff like that to you. But also just, like, it was a very toxic relationship. Um, but it was, I mean, it was my first relationship. Like, it was the first time I'd ever like, loved somebody, or kissed somebody, or, like, slept with somebody, so I felt like losing her would have been a very big loss for me. Did you date a lot after that in high school? Um, I was in a few relations. We actually, she and I dated for three and a half years of high school, um, but, like, within the past, like, the last six months of high school, I dated a few other people. What about in college? What about in college? Um... Whew. 
I got to college and I started dating somebody and we dated for like eight months um, and then we broke up and then I dated somebody for almost two years um, that was a tough relationship too and then my senior year I dated somebody for like six months um, and you had said earlier that you like did occupy some like queer spaces at college but kind of left because of the drama do you at all want to talk about what that type of drama is I mean there's just like as big as the queer community is it's also incredibly small um and so once like you're dating somebody who has dated somebody that you've also dated and like it's tough um and there are only so many queer spaces that you can occupy with like 15 people who've all slept with each other before you're like I can't do this anymore um so I was like I can't be in a room with like four people that I've dated who are also dating people that I've dated who have slept with people that I've slept with and it was exhausting and it was hurting me and it was making me very anxious um to be in spaces with people who have hurt me um so I disengaged myself from them did you feel better after that I did um Barnard is a small campus there are about 2200 of us and we all know each other um so I would obviously still run into people but it was nice like not be in a small room with 20 people all of whom have slept with each other for like three hours a week um I mean, it's tough to be in a small community like that, and my high school was like that too. Um, our queer community was like 10 of us, and we all did that. So it was nice to be in a little bit of a bigger community, but at the same time, I was not, I like needed it out. What about like living in New York now, not being in college? Do you feel like queer communities, you like run in the same problem, or you just don't? embed yourself in the same way or it's different um my queer communities now are very separate from barnard um but i still i run into people um it's a big city but small world and so i do i run into people that i don't necessarily want to see um but it's i also have had dating since like really actively being trans has been a very unique experience for me so it's a different world than it was at Barnard. When would you say like what does since really actively being trans mean to you and when did that start? Um, so I got top surgery January of 2016 and then after graduating from, I graduated in a relationship and then we broke up last summer um, and then I started testosterone in November, so, like, I identified as trans, but, like, now that I'm read as trans, um, it's very different. Um, different how? I desperately am, am low on calories. If I quickly grab something to eat, will it ruin your whole... No, do you want to stop it? No, you don't have to. I'm literally going to walk into the kitchen and come right back.
okay, your question was different how. Yeah. Um, being read as male means that I either have to, not have to, um, it's a lot of coming out over and over again. Um, it's exhausting. And either way, I feel like I'm lying to somebody because, like, straight women are looking for men, typically, and they are often looking for, I don't want to say real men, because, like, what does that mean? But they're often looking for men with body parts that I don't have, and then queer women are often looking for women with body parts that I also don't have. Um, or I have to, like, explain myself 150 times to many people, and it's exhausting, and it means like inhabiting a space that I have not inhabited before um especially like online um what do you mean especially online because if you meet somebody in organically in like real life you can like you know you start talking and then somehow you like talk about your interests or your likes but online it's just like you have to pick you know are you male or female and are you interested in men or women it's like well neither and you know like what is the way to go there um and like tinder now says like you can put transgender on there but i feel weird about people like filtering through things like avoiding that but at the same time like i'd rather you say no and then i don't have to be like i'm trans and then you have to be like oh never mind bye um so tinder do you use any other dating apps Um, I've had very little success with OkCupid, so not really. Do you usually meet up with people that you match with on Tinder? I have a few times, and some people have been really cool, and some people have sucked, but I feel like, I mean, whether you're straight or gay or anything in the middle, people's Tinder experiences have sucked or been great, so. I know couples who met online, but I also know people who have had, like, the like worst possible experiences with tinder dates what's the best tinder date that you've been on best tinder date i've been on oh my god um okay i matched with this girl on tinder girl woman who was 28 and we like went to dinner and just like talked for hours about like everything where'd um, you go to dinner we went to bear burger which is like my favorite place ever um, but at the end of the date, well, the date was really great, and then at the end of the date, she was like, also, I'm moving to London in a month, and I was like, excellent, but the actual date was really nice, and she wasn't judgy, and, like, she was cool, we're actually, like, she didn't end up going to London, and, like, now we're friendly, um, so, I mean, that was nice, but, uh, you know, you have, for every nice Tinder date, you have, like, seven terrible ones. Um, going back... A little bit um you mentioned that you got top surgery somewhat recently a year um, and a half ago a year and a half ago um was that something that you've been like thinking about wanting to do for a long time or like how how did that i think as soon as i hit puberty the first time and like started growing a chest i was like no thank you um it was not something i knew was an option until many years later but once, How did you learn it was an option? Because I, my, some of my friends at college were, like, talking about it. Um, but once I knew it was an option, I, like, knew that it was something I wanted. It was just a matter of, like, talking to my parents about how to fund it. 
um, and finding a doctor and all that. Um, and were your parents supportive of that process? I think it was hard for them at first to understand why I'd do that knowingly. My mom definitely thought it was an elective surgery. I tried explaining that it wasn't really. Then I think the issue was like me going under, like that was scary for them. But they came around. Mm -hmm. Did you have other people supporting you in that process? Everybody did. Like, my friends did. Um, yeah. I have a really incredible group of friends, and they were totally there. And where did you have it done? In Bethesda. Bethesda, Chevy Chase. Somewhere in Maryland. Um, and I'm just curious, like, where your siblings are throughout. Physically where they are? Physically and in terms of, like, your relationships with them. Um, they're both in Maryland right now. Um, one is going to be in 11th grade, and the other is going to be a senior in college. The same high school you went to, the younger one? Different high school. Um, yeah, my brothers were homeschooled for a while, and then I think my youngest brother will, is doing better in the school he's at than he would have in a large public high school. Um, my middle brother and I have a good relationship now. We did not growing up. But we do now. He calls me his sibling, and, like, we talk. Um, he's actually in Princeton for the summer doing an internship, and so, like, we have plans to see each other. Um, he and I are a lot closer now. We're, like, friends and friendly. Um, my youngest brother has a really hard time with difference. He always has, um, whether that's, like, disability or gender or sexuality. And so I think he has a hard time with, like, all the changes my body's going through, so we don't really talk. But he's, he's 17, he doesn't talk to my parents either. Like, he only talks to his girlfriend and, like, two of his friends. So I don't think it's necessarily personal. I think, like, being a teenager is the worst. And so that's what's happening. How often do you see your family? I like to go home, like, once every two months. Do they ever come to New York mm -hmm. to visit? I spoke at Barnard's reunion two weeks ago. And they came up for that. My parents did. And I'm going home next week. What did you speak about at Barnard's Union? I talked about being trans at a women's college. How was that received? Overwhelmingly positive. Um, people were really glad that I was telling that story because people of all years were saying that like they knew people who were having gender troubles while they were at Barnard, whether it was people who are like, you know, somebody from the class of like, like 1940, who, I don't know how old she is then, what, like 90, um, told me that she had a friend at Barnard who was like pretty sure she, that this person was like a man, um, and that she was glad that I was in a place now where I'm able to like talk about it because she wishes that her friend had been able to talk about it. Um, so it was nice, I think, for people to hear that like there are and have always been trans people at Barnard and it's possible. Um, so I think it was, I think it was cool. It was an overwhelmingly positive response. Dean Hinkson, the Dean of Barnard was there. She did not like that I was doing what I was doing, but oh well. Um, and so, in transitioning out of, like, 
college, graduating high school. Do you want to talk a little about like what you do now? Um, my full-time job is being a special ed teacher. Where at? It's awesome because I've always wanted to do that. Um, I work at the Gillen Brewer School. It's a small independent school for kids with special needs on the Upper East Side. I teach eight and nine-year-olds. Um, and part-time, I do a lot of activacy education work um, surrounding, specifically surrounding, like, LGBTQ youth and policies in schools. Are you doing that with, like, a particular group, organization? Yeah, so New York Community, I actually think it's Collective, New York Collective of Radical Educators, NICOR, has, like, we do a lot of education reform and, and such, and they have a branch called NICQueer, which is for queer teachers, and then NICQueer has a branch of called the Trans Teachers Network. So we do a lot, like, we're doing, we're writing, like, professional development and um, just general like um, conference type things, presentations that we can give or other people can give to their staff about ways to make schools more like safe and inclusive for LGBTQ youth. What kind of like policies do you advocate for? Um, Some of it's as simple as, like, asking people's pronouns. Um, some of it's more complicated, changing administrative policies surrounding changing names on rosters, um, like preferred name policies, um, gender-inclusive bathrooms, stuff like that, dress code policies, locker policies. And you're working with all New York schools? Yeah. Is it mostly public schools? It's both. Schools? Public, charter, private, independent. Um, we're actually presenting at a national conference in July. To What's the conference? It's called Free Minds, Free People. I can't go, but like my friends who I do this stuff with are going um, and giving a similar like presentation on like what you can do. Because even if you're like a straight cis teacher, there are things you can do to make your LGBTQ students feel safe on a day-to-day -day basis. That's not that hard. Um, and how did you find out about NICOR? I think a professor of mine in college mentioned it. And so I signed up. Do you remember the professor? Uh, yeah, I was Professor Edstrom. Um, so you've been doing that since college? No, I joined in September. Got it. Um, and how many people would you say are in NICOR and Probably NICOR? like 80 to 100 NICOR is like probably like 30. The Trans Teachers Network actually has about 40 people in New York registered, but obviously not everybody comes to everything. What kind of, like do you have consistent meetings or? We try to have monthly things. Um, it's very interesting. I was just talking about this. Majority of, so majority of the people in the Trans Teachers Network teach middle or high school. Um, all of us except for three are transmasculine, and everybody except for two people are white. So it's like not super diverse. 
um, we're working on that, but it's a pretty cool group of people. I've met some really awesome people. There's actually another person in it who's a Barnard grad. Um, he's a children's librarian. It's, it's just a really great group of people, and it's nice to know that there are other people who are, like, living their truths in schools in New York. Do you know when it started? I don't. Um, I know that there's a trans educators network nationally, and that's been around for a while, but I think the trans teachers network in New York is fairly new, like, potentially this year. Well, um, and how, how is it being, like, a teacher at your school? if you're comfortable sharing. A, a teacher or like a or trans teacher? Trans teacher. teacher. Um, I'm working on my principal. She, I kind of came in day one and was like, here are the things I want. And I think it was hard for her to like hear that she's not doing enough. Um, but she's definitely working on it. She's coming around. We're like bringing in a trainer. Um, so I'm hoping that helps. Um, but I like, I really do enjoy teaching there. Um, and it's a small school. Small staff of sixty. Um, actually, the staff is a reasonable size. Like most schools have that, but we have three teachers in a classroom instead of one. Um, but we only have a hundred students. Cool. Um, and you studied education at I Barnard. Did. Um, what about after Barnard? Do you have any graduate plans? Well, that's what I'm doing now. Where are you doing that? Oh, grad school. Yeah. Um, I'm going to Bank Street in the fall for a master's in special ed. Cool. How long is that program? Um, it is two years. I will probably do it in two years plus a summer. So you'll be doing that while working? Yes, I will. Is that how it's usually done? Um, sometimes. Some people don't do it that way, but because all of the education classes require field work anyway, like they were either going to put me in a school or do the field work in the school I'm working in, and I figured this way I can at least get paid. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and going back to something that you mentioned earlier, just thinking about like when you cut your hair off, posting it on Facebook and dating apps and stuff, I'm curious as to how like online spaces how you move through online spaces. Um, I definitely use online spaces as, oh, sorry. It's my testosterone. I definitely use online spaces as like political advocacy spaces, um, which is important to me that like people hear trans stories from trans people. What kind of spaces? Like Facebook, blogs, Tumblr? I have a blog that I haven't really been using, but I'd like to use it more. Um, I often write things like on Instagram or Facebook. What's your blog called? I think it's called Gender Transcender, which I was pretty proud of. Um, and is there like a reason you don't use it that much? or Just because like I, it's not that I don't have things to say, it's just like I don't have free time, period. And have you, like, met people through online spaces, or it's mostly been, would you say, through face-to-face? -face? Um, I've actually met a bunch of people who, like, reached out to me online about, like, advocacy stuff or, like, trans stuff. Um, so that's been cool. I haven't, like, I, some people, li you know, people live across the world, so obviously I have not met all of them. But I, like, spoken with people across the world um, about stuff like this.
cool. Um, and you also talked about really liking to eat in New York and enjoying Bear Burger. And you are nourishing yourself in front of me. I'm um, so hungry. <laughs> what are your favorite places to eat in New York? Anywhere that makes good gluten-free food, I will try. Um, I like Smack. Where's Smack? It's on 14, nope. It's on 12th between 1st and 2nd. They make vegan and gluten-free mac and cheese. And you are gluten-free. Mm-hmm. If you have not been there, you should go, like, right now. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, is there anything else in particular that you enjoy doing in New York? I really like to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, Central Park, the High Line, along the rivers. It's just beautiful. Um, it's nice to, like, be outside. Sometimes I, when I first moved to the city, I really missed being outside. Um, so it's nice to do that in places that have green things. Is walking mostly how you get around? Um, I mean, I take the train to work and back, but I like to walk when I can. Clears my head. Yeah. Usually walk alone or with other people? I often walk alone Mm -hmm. with music on. What do you listen to? Almost exclusively Broadway soundtracks. <laughs> what was the last thing you listened to on a walk, and where were you walking? Um, I'm trying to think. Like yesterday I walked with people. Friday I walked with people. Um, I was walking around the Union Square area on Thursday listening to the Come From Away soundtrack. Do you do musical theater or sing? Or I cannot sing to save my life. I play the flute, so like people have asked me to do pit a couple times, but I don't do musical theater. I just really appreciate it. I grew up, the theater program where I grew up is really strong. The whole music program, like band, orchestra, theater, and all my friends did theater, so I like grew up around it. How long have you been playing the flute? Since I was eight years old, so 14 years, almost 15. And you still play? Occasionally. I brought it in to work and, like, played for my kids, which they really enjoyed. Do you otherwise just, like, practice at home? Sometimes. Do you live with people? I do. I have a amazing roommate who is currently on the West Coast for the summer, so um, somebody else. Um, somebody I know from Barnard's partner is living here. Do you live with any non-people? I do. I have a cat who is currently under my couch sleeping. What's your cat's name? His name is Lucky. He's 13. He was my 10th birthday present, and I'm obsessed with him. 10th birthday present. So you've had Lucky. He's 13. I've had him almost 12 years. Um, so while you are at Barnard? He actually lived at Barnard with me mm-hmm. um, because I certified him as an emotional support animal because he helps with my anxiety. So he gets to live where I live. Um, great. And the last question I have, it's a very all-sex question, um, is what is your favorite thing about your gender identity? That is a very all-sex question. I'm sure that, I think that's actually in one of our, I, like, remember writing that. Um, what is my favorite thing about my gender identity? I like that it's so confusing, um, which sounds weird, but I feel like people are so certain of so many things 
in this world that it's like and I'm so certain about so many things in this world that it's nice that there's like one thing about me that I will just never understand um and I'm the type of person who has a hard time with uncertainty or the unknown but I like that my gender identity is confusing because it forced me to under to accept that like there's this thing about me that I will never totally grasp and that that's actually okay is there anything else you want to talk about or add we haven't talked about already? You're the best.